pines where the sun never shines. You'll shiver when the cold wind blows. There's a grave in the pines where the sun never shines. There's a grave that's shaded with a pine. On the Slay Queens podcast, we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. This isn't just a cheesy catchphrase. It is a note to remember that the topics we discuss can be very graphic and lurid in nature. Listener discretion has been advised. Happy 2021, everybody. Holy shit, it's 2021. Right? Thank the deity that you pray to. (laughs) (laughs) Whomsoever you may choose. All of them. Thank Manon. Yeah, it is 2021. We made it. We did. We survived 2020, y'all. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what to make. No, that was absolutely appropriate. Uh, You're just like 2020. Woo! Woo. (laughs) (laughs) The weakest baby woo girl. Yes, but welcome to 2021, Ashley. We're here. Welcome, Wayne. And welcome to 2021, all you queens, kings, and folks. Welcome. Also, welcome back. Yes, we're here. We are here. We are back at it. And this is, I think, going to be our first official episode of season three. That's correct. Yay. Yay. <laughs> that is exciting. I, <laughs> a little higher now. A little, little, yeah, a little bit louder now. <laughs> yes. Okay. So welcome back, everybody, to the Slay Queens podcast, the podcast where Ashley, remind my old ass what it is that we do here. You know, New Year, same us. <laughs> we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. That is correct. We do. We do. We're going to do that a little bit differently in this season. Yes, we are. We, if you recall from the last episode Mm -hmm. of season two, is that correct? That's correct. Where we made the announcement (laughs) that we were going to primarily be focusing on documentaries and docuseries. Mm -hmm. Any documentary or docuseries that has uh, victims, perpetrators, or even an element to the crime that is related to the LGBTQIA plus community. Yes. And we are starting that today. We are doing that today. We are doing that today. And we're kicking it off with Ashley's recommendation. That's that's right. And I've actually recommended, yeah, the show mm-hmm. on last season. Yeah. But speaking of recommendations. Yes. Before we get into that. You know what time it is. <laughs> what time is it, Does anybody know what time it is? <laughs> it is time for the Rainbow Star. The Rainbow Star. Yes, ma'am. So if this is your first time joining us, Rainbow, because we are queer. Star, because we're giving shout outs, thank yous, making acknowledgments or announcements, and offering recommendations to you lovely listeners. Would you like to start us out or shall I? I don't necessarily have shout outs. The only thing I have this week is some acknowledgements so okay well i will start with yeah. some shout outs we'll and just do the per use i mean do the per yeah. use is that the first per use of 2021 it is. <laughs> do the per use oh thank all the deities i did want to shout out maddie glirati and his partner chris because they and i think by the time our listeners hear this episode their new podcast well, pro- should yeah. be available That's right. uh, for your ears to enjoy, your ear holes to enjoy. <laughs> they will be producing a podcast called Dirty Pillows with Chris and Maddie. And it is a horror movie podcast 
And the description I got was that they're not necessarily reviewing the horror movies as much as they're having conversations about the themes and the concepts of I the movies that. themselves. Very yeah. artsy. I love that. And okay. I love that. I love that as well. I will I, subscribe. I will absolutely be subscribing as well. <laughs> and we definitely want to support Maddie and Chris because they've been very, yeah. very just wonderful about supporting us here For sure. uh, at the Slate Queens podcast. Also, I wanted to make an announcement that we have new artwork. We do. We have new artwork. I love it. And we look absolutely kind of sickening, no? Honestly, I'm like, why am I obsessed with myself? I sent it to my sister and I'm like, why do I look like I could be like Archer or Lana's girlfriend? Either one. (laughs) (laughs) Either one. I'll take it. (laughs) Totally 1,000%. Loving it. Loving it. Loving it so much. We do want to thank thank our friend screen name i don't want to use the actual name because i didn't think that i was doing this until just now yeah, i right. just decided <laughs> just popped up didn't ask for permission so the screen name on instagram is at row as if mm-hmm. uh, wonderful 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 artiste Please show them an abundance of love and support. And if you like what you see with regard to our artwork and anything else that you might see posted on their Instagram, reach out and commission something of your own because that's exactly what I did. (laughs) You did. That is all I have, I think, Ashley. What about you? My only acknowledgement is something that we actually talked about, which is the fact that Michael Alec died. We did talk about mm-hmm. that, as in you and I yeah. individually, in, not yes. with not with the listeners. Yeah. Um, but we <laughs> behind your that. backs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he was found on Christmas Day. So for anybody who doesn't know, which shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he did 17 years in prison after pleading guilty to manslaughter in 1997. And he had killed and dismembered his drug dealer, Angel. And I don't, forgive me, I did not look up the full name, but if that would bring me to kind of a recommendation, because if you haven't seen the movie Party Monster, which depicts basically his life story in a way, you should definitely check it out. It's, I mean, it's a great, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but it's definitely, you're going to have to watch something happy afterwards. (laughs) It is very somber. Yeah, it is very <laughs> somber. Definitely for lack of a better term. And if you know, too, like now that he did 17 years, you just kind of watch that and you're like, for real? <laughs> That's it? Well, and also now that he's passed mm-hmm. and he passed... From uh, a heroin overdose. A heroin overdose. Yeah. I feel like if I were to watch it now, it would even be that much more yeah. somber Because you know where he ends up. You know that yeah. he's always going to battle addiction. And I mean, Macaulay Culkin just plays such a great he Michael does, He does a really and fantastic I'm, job. I'm always baffled by the fact that Seth Green, that's his name, right? Plays mm-hmm. such a good James St. James. Like, who would have thought? Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> I do appreciate the film, and it was made in early 2000s, right? Yeah. yeah. I do appreciate the film 2021 me and like yeah. 2021 goggles, though. Looking back on it, I wish that we had had some like legit queer actors For who, sure. who portrayed those roles, but I will say that they did a really fantastic job. Mm-hmm. They, they, both, did. they both did a really great job. As far as, do you have any other recommendations? No. I okay, I do no. have a couple of recommendations. Yes, please. You have Shudder, right? I do. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So, on Shudder, last night, I watched the most fantastic horror film. Oh, God, yes, It's please. called The Deeper You Dig. 
I don't, okay, I feel like that might be like a thumbnail that I've seen on there, but I've not watched or seen the trailer. All right. I don't want to spoil anything, but watch it. Listeners, go out and watch it. If you don't have a Shutter subscription, get one. Yes, there are so many. The thing that I appreciated so much about it was that it combined so many different elements. It combined like a a crime, murder, cover up element with like a supernatural element. It was just so, so, so good. So well done. Seems Um, a little bit American Horror Story ish, maybe. Ish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Depending on the season. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe a bit murder house ish. I love that. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Really, 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 really good. Yeah. And there were definite moments where you're like, oh, yeah, I love that they did that. And there were moments that were like, oh. Yeah. And then <laughs> there were moments that you're like, huh. It was so well done. It's a wild ride. It was a wild ride. That. It combined so many different elements that I kind of didn't expect. Sure. And that's why I think I was so impressed with it. So You know what we've been watching lately? What's that? <laughs> Have you ever seen the show 911? Yes. As a first responder, I can't believe that she's into it because mm-hmm. I think I think for her, it's like they are pretty realistic in how they do a lot of like the rescues and stuff. Yeah. But as far as like that show goes, don't take it as a recommendation, please, everyone. I'm like, I side eyeing you because it's so goofy and like dramatic and cheesy. Even my own dad was like, you watch that show. <laughs> but I love it. We can't get enough of it. What do you, have you, you've watched it. What do you think? I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they have like the cheesiest lines. I too, simply cannot. Where we'll like quote them before they even say them, you know, that kind of thing. The only show that I've ever been able to stomach that had anything to do with emergency medicine, sure. healthcare was like the OG was ER. Sure. I did love that show growing up. And side note, the only reason I brought that up is because you mentioned Murder House, which I always think of Connie Britton and her fabulous hair. And the only reason I started 911 to begin with Mm -hmm. was Connie Britton and her fabulous hair. I was like, if she's on it, it has to be good. I get that. Angela Bassett is also a character, Mm -hmm. right? That's the only reason I have watched even one and she plays, a, she plays a great role, but the role is so quintessential. I hate to say it like badass black cop. Like it is a woman. I should add in, you yeah. know, she has to have that like perf, like that badass all the time, always right attitude, which I love. Yeah. But it's like, come on, <laughs> give yeah. it a little bit of a soft side, you know? Yeah. I understand that, but I love her. I'm obsessed with her. And she, like I said, is the only reason I have even given moments of my time to that show and I just couldn't do it that's fair (laughs) I mean I guess you didn't have a thing for Buck no no (laughs) too young for you (laughs) sorry oh Oh, that's all right okay so So, yeah we are gonna come back with a new formula that's right to speak new formula new format yeah new for no I'm not gonna do that (laughs) no I was gonna make an inappropriate joke about foreskin oops there it was Okay, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, we are back, 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 back again. <laughs> back, 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 back again. Yes, ma'am. I started us off. Look you did. You so did. Bad, so um, new year, same us, but we can change it up a little change bit. Changing it up. Changing it up. Yep, changing it up just a little bit. And to illustrate that, mm-hmm. this week we are kicking off season three by diving into the investigation discovery original docuseries Twisted Sister. As far as I know, that's available to stream on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. And just a quick bit of information for those who may not be familiar with this particular show. 
according to imdb.com. And I had to write that down because I always get it wrong. Oh my gosh. I have I the do app. BD. I use yeah. it all the time, yeah. but every time I say like the app out loud, yeah. I just, it's always ass back. I, I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of mumble the last two. I'm like, I am. I yeah. know what I'm talking about. But according to imdb.com, it is quote, an examination of infamous crimes performed by the unlikeliest of pairs, dot, 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 sisters. Shout out to Kardashian, <laughs> by the way. That's actually, that's if you my, haven't listened to the, yeah. No, that's my literal <laughs> next note. It's also, according to the show's IMDB page, it's rated <laughs> 6.5 out of 10 stars and is executive produced by, say it for us again, Ashley. Miss Chloe Kardashian. Yes, ma'am. One Miss Chloe Kardashian, which, if I'm being perfectly honest, frightens me for her whole family. <laughs> <laughs> we did talk a little bit about that. I love her, though. She is my, I mean, I always talk about how I'm the Chloe of the family, so... Well, Chloe's the hot one. Now she is. Now yeah, she, she is. is. I right. felt like she was always the hot one. We just had... She, she just had to grow into herself. I've always felt like she's, like, always had more of, like, they all want that curvy body style, but she's always mm-hmm. just had it. You yeah, know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> All right, this particular case is featured on Season 2, Episode 3 of that series, and it is titled A Shot in the Dark. The episode's description states, quote... Two adopted sisters are inseparable until the social pressures of high school and bullying drive a wedge of violence between them, end quote. So, Ashley, mm-hmm. you actually did some research on this case. Yes, I did. Yes. So I tried not to do that because... Sure, because you know how hard it is when we both do that, when we're watching anything having to do with any type of crime, we're like, okay, pull up the laptop. What is the real case? What actually happened? Exactly. And we're impatient because yes. we don't want to wait till the end. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, I'm going to pause this and let's just Google. So, And it's kind of like, is it even worth watching the episode? Is it too predictable? Truly, you, know? you know, when you can just pull up like a nice paragraph that... Also, I feel like I wanted to talk about the fact that it got like a 6.5 and I feel like that could be because of the fact that it's just like every other like cheesy docu-series mm-hmm. type that we watch so it's probably like oh it's just another one of those but I love this show I will be perfectly honest with you and anyone else who's listening (laughs) (laughs) what did you think a little bit of an embarrassing moment so we didn't actually clarify when we talked about covering like this particular case yeah we just talked about the fact that it was featured on Twisted Sisters and I got a little bit of information but I somehow like twisted that in my brain to it being a twin relationship. Sisters oh, okay. who were twins. Yeah. And I was scrolling through, um, Hulu was where I watched it. I was scrolling through and there was an episode that featured twin sisters. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, this is the one. So, and then you're like, oh no. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it and I was very confused. You're like, where? You did text me. Like, yeah. where is the, uh, yeah. the element? I'm like, well, it's like not until like a half hour in. And I was like, oh, no, girl, I'm like in credits and I still haven't found it. But I didn't tell you that at the time. No, yeah, I didn't, didn't tell you that at the time. But so See, all that to say, together there. all that to say, I've now watched an episode that we weren't covering once. And I've watched this sure, particular okay. episode twice. I really like this show. I think, I think it's, it's really great. well done. I think it's really well produced. And I think they do a really good job of not making it too predictable. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I feel like some episodes... You're kind of like, well, I already know what the situation's going to be. But some of them, you think that, and then you're like, oh, wow, that's way more twisted. You know what I mean? I think this show does a really good job of making at least elements of the story 
still clouded in some kind of mystery okay. until the very end. So um, let's, you're going to tell us what happened, right? Yes. So I'm going to tell us what happened on the episode. Okay. And you have researched, mm-hmm. so you're going to let us know if there's any updates at the end or if you want to interject anything throughout. And hopefully there will just be a lot of shenanigans and tomfoolery. Yes, that's what we're here for, too. All right. <laughs> so are we ready to dive into this? I'm so ready. I'm right. so ready. All right. So this episode opens and it very quickly begins to set a stage for the story that's about to be told. There's a shot of the city sign for Pensacola, Florida, where the crime actually takes place. And shout out to Pensacola, Florida. I have family there. I'm not necessarily proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love my family. I just wish they lived elsewhere. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. All right. There's a series of dramatic statements being made by the interviewees who are participating in the retelling of the story, all of which are letting us know as the viewer, they're letting us know that we're about to hear a tale that is set in high school surrounding issues such as teen bullying, adolescent insecurities, all of which result in some sort of gun violence and further alluding, heavily alluding to the fact that all of that results in someone's death. Mm-hmm. But we don't know exactly what the crime is just yet. All right. So then we quickly meet Brandy, Brandy with an I, B-R-A-N-D-I. And I just had to point, put that out there because I feel like it's a different sort of brandy. Brandy you know, with an eye. You know, one of my good friends growing up was uh, Randy with an eye. And I remember my mom always commenting on that. Like, <laughs> it was never just Randy. It was always Randy with an eye. Yeah. <laughs> like, even she would introduce herself that way. And I'm like, that's because, you know, it's a different kind of exactly. person. <laughs> it's a different sort of brandy. All right. But this is Brandy Zepp, who, in my opinion, actually kind of ends up being the primary narrator of the story. I agree. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And she's super cute. Like, you do want to listen to her tell the story, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We find out that Brandy is one of three sisters, and she's returning to her childhood home after many years. Evidently, Brandy's family abandoned this house after what an off-camera producer <laughs> ominently refers to as the incident. I didn't even notice that, but that's yeah. hysterical. Yeah, well, they have like a little like closed caption. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the incident. Like, okay, that's not ominous you? at all. Who coached you on what to say in these situations? Because that's not cool. For sure. <laughs> the incident. Yeah, there's probably some like production assistant who wasn't supposed to speak. Now, yeah. Don't don't say the murder. Just say something else. Say something a little bit more creative, Uh said the incident. All right. So Brandy, Brandy with an I, enters into her former family home. And we immediately flash back to August 3rd of 2011 with an audio of a 911 call being placed. Mm -hmm. The caller, who is later in the episode loosely identified as just a neighbor, is frantically, and I mean, I mean, frantic in all caps. It was, it's a 911 call to hear for sure. It absolutely is. So please watch this episode if you have the ability to do so, if you have Hulu or Amazon Prime. Totally. Uh, This woman is frantic. I have in my notes here, frantic in all caps. And she's reporting that someone has been shot. Honestly, until I dated someone who was a police officer, which was the first like emergency response person I dated, I thought that everyone who called 911 sounded that way. I just assumed that anytime someone <laughs> called 911, they were for reeking the fuck out. And like, I learned very quickly that usually it's not that way. But I just assumed. Usually not. Usually not. And I've um, called 911 and I've never sounded like that before because I've never experienced something like that before. So. Well, and I'm, and I'm glad that you touched on that because I, I do have here in the notes, it says, let me reiterate that in a perfect world, 
this is not the person that you want making this 911 call. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Because this poor dispatcher is essentially getting no pertinent just information. Just get someone over here. Just get yeah, someone here. She's getting no pertinent information out of this caller. And you do, again, in a perfect world, and as you said that you've learned kind of in your adult life now, you need someone who can be composed enough to give the pertinent yeah. information and get the appropriate resources en route to where they need to be. That's right. Anytime I've called yeah. 911, it's like a flashback from any TV show I've ever watched. Like, immediately have, like, the address you're at. If you don't know that, have the intersection. Have what's around you. Exactly. Like, what exactly is happening? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But <laughs> this is not that bitch. No, it is not This at all. is not that bitch. This is not the bitch <laughs> you need. This screaming, hooting, hollering. <laughs> To remain cool in a crisis. This is the bitch you call when you just need somebody to sit around and hyperventilate with you. That's true. That's who this bitch is. But <laughs> Or God. someone you maybe call like if you want to get into a fight because she seems hyphy. <laughs> <laughs> she does seem temperamental. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, we don't know her name. We thank her mm-hmm. for calling. Yes, absolutely. Because you also wonder too, like I, don't you always when it's like someone that's not involved really, like you're wondering... Who else would it have been? You know what I mean? Who else would have called? How long would it have been? I won't speculate too much about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I won't speculate. It, it, it might explain itself a little bit later. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's All true. right. So we then meet a fellow by the name of John Mollican, who works as an attorney in the major crimes division of Florida's state's attorney's office. I'm so glad you said that because I couldn't remember how to say his name. And I have him in my notes and I was like, I can't remember. Mollican. Okay. I'm not even sure that that's correct. No, that's how they said it on the show. I just couldn't remember. And yeah. Yeah. John subtly lets the viewers know that he worked on this case that's being shared as part of the story. And he also lets us know how particularly unusual this case was, how particularly unusual he found it. Sure. Unusual because according to John, quote, this is the old South. Girls, they're not supposed to do this kind of thing, end quote. I loved that, didn't you? <laughs> I said with the most amount say, of sarcasm. Deep, this is the deep South. Like, okay, because that's the only place apparently you're a woman and not supposed to know how to shoot a gun. Okay, <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, so in response to that, I literally immediately right out loud alone <laughs> in my living room said, you're not wrong in the fact that air quotes, the old South does in fact that have that sort of mentality and belief mm-hmm. system. But you're completely wrong in the fact that you're spouting off that sexist Southern bullshit on national television. As if it's fact. As if it's fact. Exactly. As if it's fact. And I can say that. Because even Brandy, I don't know if you're going to bring it up, but even she says like everyone in that house knew how to handle a firearm. Yeah. Yeah. She says it later in the episode. And I don't disagree that if you're a parent that's going to have firearms, Yes, you should keep them away from your children, but they should know in an instance how to handle one if they ever were to come across one just to keep themselves safe. You're absolutely correct. I don't disagree with that at all. But that's just such a... This is sexist Southern bullshit. And and I can say that with confidence because I do partially identify as Southern because I lived in the South for a long time. And it is. It's just sexist bullshit. Oh, and we've talked about like moving back to Texas and it's just like hit or miss on like different like suburbs that we want to live in because it's like how red is it (laughs) well yeah absolutely the thing about living in the south is that you have to 
not consider living in a region or a state. You're like, what city do yep, I live in? Absolutely. Even Ohio. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely, that's it's very a different correct. kind of red, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> we're right. going on a tangent. Less offensively, John then goes on to explain that Pensacola for the most part is a quiet community and that a crime of this nature went on to shock everyone, which I think is fair. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, it's not a crime that's I would say typical, even of murder. You know what I mean? I agree. And I I doubt anybody from this community, especially anybody who knew this particular family, expected that something like this could or would happen. Surely. So then in true docuseries fashion, the timeline continues to jump around a bit. And we're now back to Brandy. Brandy's up. Remember, she was a sister. Mm -hmm. Uh, She starts to give us a little bit of background about her family. And we learned that her father, this is a little bit of a difficult kind was, of family dynamic. I like how they do on the episode, they make like an actual family tree. They do so an actual family see. tree. Yeah, they do. We learned that her father is a man by the name of Mike Sneary. He met and married a woman by the name of Troyce Rendell. All right. So Troyce had a biological son whose name was Jason. And she, when they met, when the two met, was in the process of adopting a child whom she'd been fostering, whose name would become Elena Rindell. And I said, whose name would become her name was already Elena, but mm-hmm. we don't have any information about what her last name was prior to sure. having been adopted. What by her, last, Troyce. Yeah, her last name was. All right. So shortly after Mike and Troyce became a couple, Mike, who was also a foster parent, adopted a daughter whose name would become Christina Sneary. Now, I say again, say whose name would become because her name was Christina, but we don't know what her last name was prior to the adoption. Uh All right. So just to recap that a little bit. Now we've got Troyce and Mike who have biological son, Jason, biological daughter, Brandy, and adoptive children, Elena and Christina. And Brandy is the one who's kind of walking us down. Yes. She's kind of the primary narrator. And she does explain that like the reason that... They took those different last names because they were just like, well, we're adopting them as single people. So it'd be kind of cool just to keep those last names and then join the family together. Yeah. Which kind of was like, why do you have to explain that? Exactly. It, it seems like a weird moment why in the episode ex- for me. She even said like, they just thought it would be kind of cool to keep those. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was kind of cool. It was that terminology. Yeah. yeah. She was like, have just, you just been asked that your whole life? Yeah. We just thought it would be kind of cool if the girls had different last names, which I. If you wanted it to be like a blended family, why don't you just do like the conjoined last names kind of like. Yeah. Hyphenated. <laughs> I always think of uh, in the L word when they're like, what about something like Portard? And like, oh, hey, Portard, how's your two moms, you big gay mo? And I'm like, that's exactly how that would come out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's what they were thinking. They couldn't come up with something better. But it's, yeah, it hit on the fact that like she had to explain that for some reason, which is interesting. I, feel. I, I thought it was a weird moment in yeah. the episode. I'm glad we agree on that. Okay. Yeah. She went on to explain that she was the oldest of the three girls by 10 years. Followed by Elena, who was three years older than Christina. So Brandy, Elena, and Christina was the baby. However, because Elena had been diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome at birth, she was developmentally delayed, and the two girls actually appeared much closer in age than the three years. And because of some of the developmental delays and whatnot, they actually ended up in the same class Uh in school. We also learn here that the adoptive families were warned that both girls actually may suffer from, quote, emotional problems due to the toxic stress that they had suffered prior to joining their new families. 
We didn't get a lot of information about what sort of situation they each came out of, but we got enough to know that it wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, and we did know, too, which you're probably going to talk about how the older one, Christina, kind of stood up for Elena when they were little. But once they ended up in the same grade, I feel like it kind of just got hard for her to do so with social pressures. Actually, what I have is kind of the reverse of that. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Kind of the reverse of that. No, 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 no. You're fine. All right. So now we meet a young lady by the name of Ashley Garrison, who, (laughs) by the way, is wearing every Midwest gay man's favorite cold (laughs) weather clothing accessory. Mm -hmm. The coveted black and red checkered flannel shirt. I loved it. And I I say that without an ounce of shade because I happen to own two of them. Oh, you should see our closet. (laughs) Uh, It's like our pride flag. We joke all the time that we don't dress, we don't quote dress like lesbians. We quote dress like gay men. So I'm totally there with you. I respect it. I respect it. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right. So we learned that Ashley is a friend and neighbor. And she's adorable too. She is absolutely adorable. We love Ashley. Mm -hmm. We love Ashley's. We do. Yeah. (laughs) Most of All right. She's a friend and neighbor and she gives us kind of the only, I don't know if you noticed, she kind of gives us the only real timeline in the documentary regarding how these young girls or how old these girls were when they were adopted by the Rendell Sneary family. Because I questioned that at one point. Ashley says that she, Elena, and Christina had all grown up together since the age of five. So the girls had to have been living together at least by that time, right? Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Considered that they were fostered for a while before that, et cetera, et cetera. So very young. They would have had to have been with their respective parents for at least like a year or two before they were adopted, adopted. With, so, before they would be considered. Yeah, so yeah, they were very young. Yeah, very young. Which is good. I mean, considering that they came out of much worse family situations. All right. Ashley gives us some insight here into what types of people Elena and Christina had grown into by their like preteens. They weren't quite teenagers yet, weren't quite in high school. Christina reportedly got along with everyone and she was super sweet, but really shy. Whereas Elena wasn't afraid to talk to anyone and was described as outgoing and a, quote, tomboy, which, in my opinion, is that moment at which all Mm -hmm. the queer ears perked right up. Uh, Girl, (laughs) I swear, I was folding laundry, had this show just like streaming. This is what, like episode three, I think we should have probably said that, season two, episode three or something. And it was just like going and I'm like listening to the story. I'm like, this sounds really sad. Mm -hmm. Like, and then all of a sudden that I'm like, tomboy. And I just like stop what I'm doing and I'm like, what's about to happen here? Exactly. 1000%. I literally (laughs) started scratching my chin quizzically and I was like, oh, really? Here we are. (laughs) I see what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. All right. So despite their differences, though, by all accounts, Elena and Christina had a very close relationship at that point. So we're talking like elementary school. They had a close relationship. They got along well. They had a happy family life with loving parents. Choice was said to be, quote, so attentive to the girl's needs and Mike reportedly prioritizing making sure his children knew how to defend themselves or he reportedly prioritized that. Mm-hmm. And yes, cue the creepy, ominous music with the black and white cinematography. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, because really, that's exactly really how they did that. it. That is exactly how they did it. 
So, I like that you like mentioned that too. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I noticed it because they're like Troy. She was just she was such an attentive, loving mother, and Mike. He prioritized making sure his children knew how to defend themselves. And they then, might like, as well. And then the music turned all ominous, and the screen went into like black and white. And they I was might like, as right, well have just had a dun dun. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So. According to Brandy, this translated into Mike, who was an avid huntsman, and also Jason, remember, the older brother, who was in the military, showing the girls how to assemble, disassemble, and shoot guns. Evidently, the area of town that they lived in wasn't, quote, the most trusted neighborhood, and that was according to our friend Ashley. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to make it a point here to mention that Elena and Christina were also taught gun safety. So this doesn't come off to me as sounding like any sort of irresponsible parenting. No. It sounds to me like the father was doing what he felt was right and appropriate to help guarantee the safety of his daughters. Mm -hmm. And again, that's just my opinion. Okay. And finally, rounding out the mostly happy, feel-good portion of this story, because we haven't heard anything really bad up to this point. That's very true. Yeah. We're getting there. Um, Yeah, we're getting there. (laughs) We have Brandy standing on the front porch of her family's abandoned former home saying, it was a really fun house and then things just went sideways and they weren't so fun after all. I honestly, like to me when I heard that the first time, because I truth be told watched it twice when we decided to do this, I thought to myself like, wow, that was cheesy and planned out, but also so perfect. Like you couldn't have said anything else better, honestly. Like what else are you supposed to say? Well, in my notes, I partially agree with you. In my notes here, I said, (laughs) to which I wanted to claw my own eardrum. (laughs) I mean, you were a little bit nicer than I was. That's hysterical. No, no, no. I understood the point that she was trying to make. And it it was appropriate. Mm -hmm. But just the phrase, things went sideways. I mean, I hate it. It made me want to like steal toys from babies. I just things going sideways. It's kind of like when you wake up in the morning and you go to like put milk in your coffee and you spill them. That's like things going sideways. I get it. This is not things going sideways. Yeah, it just it was not the appreciate term to use. Cause and effect were not in this circumstance. (laughs) I can agree with that. Yeah, Um, because it's also too like I mean we'll probably get there, but her feelings on the whole situation. It's almost like this whole time she's trying to downplay what actually happened without giving too much away. I think ultimately a lot of the family does that. I agree. And we're about to start getting into that, but should we take just a quick little break? Yeah, let's take a quick break before we uh, get into the dark side. The dark side of the rainbow. (laughs) This rainbow, yeah. Okay, we have returned, also known as we are back, 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 back again, again. Thank God. Thank goodness. <laughs> Do you have your refill? I refilled. Yeah. I'm drinking alone this week, and I totally <laughs> understand why. Dry January, it's honey. Okay. Yeah. Got I, it. I mean, Got I reduced myself to only Mondays, so. I can appreciate that. Maybe I'll, since you're not going to partake, maybe I'll go all the way dry. Probably not. Anyway. I I don't recommend it. Hi, everybody. Okay, so the next segment definitely begins to focus on the downward trajectory of things. It opens with Brandy explaining that shy, sweet Christina, who was Colombian with beautiful dark hair and skin, was actually made fun of a lot for her race and appearance in elementary school. Yeah. And side note, fuck those kids. Honestly. Fuck those kids. But I mean, Florida. 
That's fair. And, uh, <laughs> and we love our listeners in Florida. Again, it's kind of like we fair. were talking about before. It's not necessarily the region or the state that you live in. It's where you are. It's, it's where you are. Area. It's who you are. That's exactly right. But fuck those kids. Yes. And that, and she goes on to further explain that Elena, who was more outspoken and outgoing, would come to her sister's defense. And this is kind of what you were talking about earlier. When I flip-flopped it on yeah. accident. Because what I said made more sense, but it was interesting that it was mm-hmm. opposite at first. Yeah. She'd stick up for her sister against the bullies. However, Ashley, the friend and neighbor in my favorite shirt, returns to tell us that that dynamic actually began to shift when the girls all went into middle school. Uh-huh. It was then that Christina began making friends and gaining more social acceptance in their school and where Elena began struggling, not only academically, because they talked about that for a minute, but also socially. She started doing inappropriate things to try to get attention and approval from her peers. Actually went on to describe an incident in which Elena was at school when two boys asked to see her genitalia. So she pulled her pants down to her ankles. I forgot about that part, actually. I all I did the first time I watched it. Like, I had blocked it out, and then the second yeah. time I watched it, I was like, oh, that's crazy, and then I had forgotten again. I guess I should have mentioned content warning. But I do also have another side note here that says, fuck those little sexual predator pieces of human <laughs> I mean, we do have disclaimer at the beginning for we a do. reason, you know? We do. Sadly, this incident would ultimately result in Elena being further bullied for the situation and Christina even like further distancing herself from her sister due to the embarrassment that she felt surrounding that whole situation. Uh I thought it was worth mentioning here that Elena also received punishment at home for this in the form of being grounded for a month. According to Ashley, the mom who, again, her name was Choice, always taught her daughters to quote, don't show no one your stuff, end quote, is what <laughs> Ashley said. She did, and she says it so, like, innocently yeah, and, like, very southern innocently. and cute. And I'm just like, she doesn't know what to say, clearly yeah. there. <laughs> don't show no one your just, stuff. You know, don't show no one your stuff. And I'm like, that's adorable. To which I immediately thought, well, that's me as a parent. Absolutely. You know, and... We even uh, talked about that, like, if, if we do have kids one day, like, what do we, like, address that stuff as? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and uh, it just, I related to it because that's the sort of mom I had growing up. Oh, for sure. She's a very plain English. Uh-oh, don't put your no-nos. No-nonsense <laughs> kind of gal. And minus any sort of like victim blaming that maybe sounds like it potentially could have taken place in that situation. That's the sort of parent that I would want to be, you know? Sure. Make damn sure my kids not know not to let anybody take advantage of them. In that situation. In that, yeah. In that and it's, situation. it's not okay because... The repercussions from your parents are going to be way worse from that of someone who wants to take more when they ask Exactly. that. Exactly. All right. So moving forward, uh, they continue to paint this picture of Christina, who is beautiful, interested in makeup, interested in styling her hair, wearing dresses. She's interested in boys. They're very much letting us know that Christina is rising to popularity during middle school on into high school. While Elena, who preferred a more natural look with no makeup and a short haircut, and she preferred outfits of just like simple jeans and t-shirts, was becoming more and more the target of bullying at school every day. And unfortunately, as we've already kind of discussed... I can identify with this. Yeah. Totally. Unlike in elementary school, however, Christina was not coming to her sister's defense or rescue as the very people Christina called friends were bullying Elena. They were shoving her into lockers, which we saw very dramatic reenactments of. And they were even dunking her head into the toilets of the girls' restrooms. Oh, yeah. Ashley said the whole story about how big the lockers were and that sometimes, like, 
they would just be so mean and they would just shove her inside of one and yeah. shut the, and I'm like that. I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be shut inside of a locker. Like you've seen it in movies, yeah. in TV shows, but like that actually happened to her. Yeah. And I don't know if this is an, I don't know how much dramatic license they took with it, but during those like reenactment scenes, they'd have the character of Christina, like standing in the background, watching this take place. Now, whether or not that actually She was actually physically there, but I think it's, even if she wasn't physically there, it's the idea of her being there. And that's the whole point is that Elena knew that these people were friends of Christina's. And the a, very sister she's always defended. The very sister she's always defended. This actually caused Elena to feel betrayed by her sister, driving the two further apart, not only at school, but also at home. Because, of course, especially when you're that young, you're not going to be able to separate, like, home life from school. What happens and, at school? You know, what happens at school? Like, As adults, it's like, it's like work and, and home are different, but school and home, it's, it's all the same to yeah. you at that age. Yeah. If you feel betrayed, you feel betrayed. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that just started to crumble what remained of a once loving relationship between Christina Sneary and Elena Rendell. <sighs> and then things happen. Yeah. Well, before that, though. Oh, before that. Before that. <laughs> we are blessed with the opportunity to meet my favorite character of the entire episode, Wilbur the Guard Pig. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, okay. Tell me you remember Wilbur. Yeah, I do. All right. I was like, wait, what are, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> Wilbur makes what I assume is his television debut because his mom, whose name is also Ashley, mm-hmm. this is Ashley Morris, was a former classmate of Christina and Elena. And I found it really interesting that they just described her as a former classmate and not like as a friend. Interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, Did she only say that they were like acquaintances or was that, that their only creative liberty? Yeah, like, and, or is this just somebody who was kind of on the periphery of that situation? Sure. Who like witnessed some things because she went to school with them and is trying to get her 15 minutes when this could documentary be. comes to town? It could be. Right? I see a lot of that on 2020. I'm like, yeah, why would no. they have this person on? Oh, well, I guess it's all they could get. So. I don't know. Maybe I was hypoglycemic <laughs> that morning. Maybe I had had enough coffee, but I was watching this. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you weren't even their friends. Get off the camera. There have been. Bring back Wilbur. There have been some like 2020 episodes or like Dayline episodes where I've watched with Sierra and I'm like, whoever this person is, they just wanted to get paid. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. But I am grateful for her appearance yes. because she introduced us to Wilbur. After she did that, she actually invites the producers into her home. That's hilarious. Where she pulls out an old yearbook and she flips over to a photo of Elena. Here, once again, we're told that Elena was the sort of person who wore her hair short, didn't care for makeup, and primarily donned clothing that, in some people's opinions, was less feminine and more boyish. Then the story immediately flips back to Sister Brandy, who's dropping the bomb that everyone's been dancing around this entire episode, right? <laughs> true. I mean, were, were they not? They totally were. They I'm totally like, why is were. taking so long? And they finally allow Brandy to tell the viewers that she wasn't at all surprised and she was fully supportive of Elena when she, quote, came out to me telling me that she liked other girls, end quote. There it is. Yes. To which I immediately had a happy, positive reaction to, you know, good for you, girl. Yes. Love and let love. I was team Brandy in that moment. Then I immediately kind of started to consider some other things Mm -hmm. because she said some other things. Yeah, (laughs) there was some comments. 
Yes. There was some comments that I didn't love. Yep. Brandy says that she was completely okay with Elena's being attracted to other girls because, again, I'm going to quote this. I always knew that she thought of herself as a guy, end quote. So, of course, like, that's why you have to. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, so, that's not how it is. Yeah. So I immediately, like, went into a gray area with, like, whether or not I wanted to, like, pay membership fees to Team Brandy, right? It's totally the whole thing of, like, oh, so I love that you're, like, in a lesbian relationship. So, like, which one's the guy? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I had two major schools oh, of thought here. I want to hang myself every time. I, no, I shouldn't say that on this. I want... I. I literally can't handle when someone says something yeah. like that. I had two major schools of thought here. Yes. All right. So one, is Elena transgender? Because Brandy didn't actually say that Elena came out to her as I'm going to answer your question right now. The answer is no. Okay. This is her miseducation or whatever you're going to say. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, that... So for anybody who's watching the episode or listening to Spoiler the alert, because I did some research yeah. later, because I, I was curious too. I truly was. I remember that comment and I was like, I wonder if that's just her being a person talking about lesbians as mm-hmm. they do when they don't know anything or. Yeah, exactly. So that's my second school of thought. Uh-huh. My first one was. Sorry, okay, no, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. My first school of thought was, is okay. Sh- maybe she was very specific in her wording. She didn't say that Elena came out to her as lesbian, bisexual, pansexual. She specifically said Elena came out to her as being attracted she to other women. girls. Okay. I like women. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's more to this story than we know. And I did think the same thing. That, you know, ears perked up at first. Then they perked up even more when she made that comment about, like, thought of herself as a, as a boy or yeah. whatever. But we can't substantiate that sure. we can't substantiate that because we'll see Get later <laughs> that all of the other interviewees actually only refer to Elena's attraction to to women, mm-hmm. and there's never any mention of like a different gender identity other than female. And everyone speaks of Elena. Well, first and foremost, using the name Elena, and everyone uses she/her pronouns. So we can't substantiate that maybe there's a different gender identity than what we know of based yeah. on Brandy's statement. Okay. Especially because it's someone who is still with us. So you would figure that by the time this has become something on, on air, you know, eight, seven or eight years later, yeah. there would have been some correction. Exactly. Exactly. That was my thought process. Yeah. Which then led me to kind of like that second school of thought that I had. Did Brandy's, which you, we've already kind of talked about, and you uh-huh. mentioned that you had as well. I did, spoiled it. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Did Brandy's statement come from a place of ignorance? Yeah. Ignorance as in a lack of knowledge regarding the differences between sexual orientation versus gender identity. Does Brandy just assume that if someone who is assigned female genitalia at birth is attracted to other females, that they must think of themselves as male? If so, fuck Brandy. If so, (laughs) then she just needs to have one conversation with me. Brandy, if you're listening, just one. Reach out to Ashley. Just meet me. Just get your hair done by me. Well, you'll you'll realize very quickly. You're not like the rest of the gays. Oh my god. <laughs> stop with that, yeah. y'all. You gotta stop. So, with that. which one wears the pants? Which one is the top? Stop with that. Just stop asking. You're not. It's not your place. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Educate yourself. Yes, please. And then the last part of my notes for this particular section just says, "Ugh." Florida, do better. (laughs) Everyone do better, but you're not wrong in a state like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So Elena comes out to her family and we find out that her attraction to women has become public knowledge even at high school. 
Yeah. Which unfortunately increased the amount of bullying she experienced. However, Wilmer's mom does make it a point to tell us that during that time of her life, Elena had stopped crying over and taking shit from her bullies. She began standing up to them and standing up for herself, which I have an immeasurable amount of respect for. I did not have that sort of confidence. And I mean, forgive the expression, I didn't have the balls to stand up for myself. When I was that age, experiencing very, very similar circumstances. So, I get that. Good for her. I do get that. Good and I did, her. it depended for me, like on the person. I will say, like, some people I felt the need, in hindsight, I guess it was people that were like on a social level below me. Does that make sense? I hate to say that, but like when it's high school, you know, you know, you've got the people up here. You absolutely here. a hierarchy. Yeah, for a sure. Social hierarchy in high and school. if it was someone up, up here, I would like probably not say anything, but the people down here got the wrath of like me being an angry bisexual just to like, oh, go tell your friends up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess I can see both sides of it. I guess I was so low on that hierarchy (laughs) that there was nobody I felt comfortable and safe, like, popping off at. Yeah. I was the low rung. No. (laughs) That's sad to say because you're so handsome. Hmm. Well, thank you. You know what? We grew up. We did. We surpassed those bullies. And I often say that I feel sorry for the people who peaked too soon and whose all best years the were All the time, all the time, all the time. That's what Facebook is for at the time. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely correct. It's like, it's like going to Walmart. It makes you feel better. All right. So we find out that Elena, after coming out, being out in school, giving zero fucks what the haters thought, uh, think or thought, she started dating a girl in her class whose name was Deborah. They would sit together at lunch. They would hold hands. They would go to school dances together. They'd give each other little like peck kisses in the hallway. All things that Wilbur's mom described as puppy love, which seems warm and fuzzy, right? Yeah. Wrong. (laughs) We quickly hop back over to the other Ashley, snappy dresser Ashley, not Wilbur's mom, Ashley. We hop back over to snappy dresser Ashley, and she tells us that Deborah was actually just using Elena that Deborah was behaving as though she were in love with Elena so that Elena would give her gifts and material possessions. Yeah. Most of which... stealing stuff? Yes, yes, that's my next note. Most of which Ashley speculated had been stolen from friends and family members. And then she goes off into this, like, whole tangent about how Deborah was wearing a shirt that belonged to her. That's right. And then later she found out that Elena had stolen that shirt. And, like, I clutched my pearls and I was like, it wasn't your flannel, was it? (laughs) No. I hope you're not wearing that exact shirt right now. It's <laughs> such a nice flannel. Because, girl, them's fighting words. Somebody steals my flannel. And those nice ones are not cheap, honey. <laughs> they are not. They oh, look- my God. My parents got my got Sierra one mm-hmm. for Christmas that's, like, pink and black and, like, super cute. Mm-hmm. I'm like, girl, when are you going to wear that so I can wear it? Because I know I can't wear it <laughs> you first. You can't wear it first. Those are the rules of gay relationships, it's people. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Although I broke that rule recently, I wore a pair of shoes that he got for Christmas before he had the opportunity to wear them. That's okay. It was a situation in which he'd have never known, but I felt guilty. So I oh just my God, it. I do that same thing. Like one yeah. time I got a delivery, they were, and I, I wouldn't normally buy Uggs, but they were Ugg slippers and she really needed a pair of slippers for when mm-hmm. she moved up here. And I'll be damned, they were not meant to be delivered to me. It was from Amazon. And I was like, I didn't order, order this. And they're like, well, you can keep them or ship them back. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Christmas gift, but I felt so bad when she was opening. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't buy these. <laughs> <laughs> eh, 
It happens. It Be honest, happen. people, because they'll Be still honest. appreciate it anyways. And don't steal from your friends or your family and give them to your girlfriend who's using it. No, don't. Don't do that. Don't. Reportedly, if Elena didn't provide Deborah with the sort of attention that she wanted, the giving her gifts or whatever else it was that she wanted, then Deborah would withhold the relationship and the loving behavior and the affections until Elena did. Like, I'm not going to talk to you until you give me gifts. Exactly. Exactly. And for those reasons, Deborah was not well-liked by Elena's family, specifically not well-liked by their mother, Troyce. And as a result, Troyce forbid Elena from seeing Deborah or even talking to her on her cell phone. And I do want to preface what I'm about to say with the fact that I'm not a parent. I can only speculate as to what I think I would do or what I think are the correct actions to take when you're raising a child. Pure speculation, pure opinion. I'm not a parent. Please don't at me. Understand (laughs) that these are just my opinions. Sure. That being said, I fully support Troyce's decision to keep her daughter away from the person that she believes is a bad influence on her. Just using her. Or is just using her or is some kind of a threat to her happiness. Mm -hmm. I completely support that decision. What I do not believe was a strong parental choice in this situation was the fact that Troyce, in order to keep Elena from talking to Deborah on her cell phone, gave Elena's cell phone to Christina. That's right. So these girls already had a troubled relationship. Yeah. There's already this animosity and anger between the two. And now you've essentially just added insult to injury by making Christina Elena's disciplinarian. It's funny. I was going to say adding fuel to the fire, but like we have our own little verbiage we want to use, but that's exactly the same thing. I mean, that's what you just did. And how do you not see that? Maybe she's busy. I don't know. I don't. fair. I mean, you do have a lot of kids running around. She's got a lot going on. It seems like to me, I can see I'm a Libra. I can see all sides of everything. You know, I feel like I can see the logic behind it. But in hindsight, it's 2020, as we say, exactly. you know, so when you think about it after the fact, you're like that just really did add insult to injury. Yeah, it just seems like poor decision making to me. And and you need to have that dialogue, I think, too, that was probably missed. I'm speculating in my own opinion of like, it's not that we don't want you to be with women. Mm-hmm. It's that this woman in particular is using you and you need someone better. Yeah. Whether it be man or a woman, we don't care. But I don't think I think that dialogue was missed. It was like, we don't want you to communicate with her. Take away the phone. Now your sister gets in control. And yeah. that's just a recipe for disaster. I had to use something cliche. <laughs> <laughs> I had to because it's just the theme. <laughs> no, you're absolutely correct. And as you've mentioned, it does end up being a huge factor. Well, what happens later. I will say one thing I was going to acknowledge earlier. I'm glad I waited until now was when I was doing all the things I could do to look up anything that's happened with the person that's involved at the end of this. One of the articles that came up was quite literally titled sister gets killed over cell phone. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. <laughs> and that made me so angry. And Sierra and I had a full on conversation about the media twisting things. Yeah. And uh, the next thing I have in my note, honestly, is that I almost felt bad about the opinion that I had, like judging someone else's parenting when I'm not a parent at all myself. I almost felt bad about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the very next segment takes us back to the sister Brandy, 
who's saying that it was obvious to the girls that the whole family, specifically the parents, favored Christina over Elena, which she said, quote, caused a lot of tension. This is just a family dynamic that from... Is obvious to other people. Yeah. Well, and it's a family dynamic that from what we know started out really good and loving and, and equal, but then somewhere, somehow became problematic, at least between, at least the relationship between these two sisters. Two of like the four or five that yeah. were living there. Yeah. Because even like the Ashley said, said that she was there all the time. She yeah. basically wanted to be part of the family, all of that. So they had lots of kids coming and going all the time. Busy household. All right. So this all brings us back to August 3rd of 2011 and the aforementioned frantic 911 call. The incident. The incident. (laughs) Here we also meet the lead investigator on what will ultimately be the crime that inspired this episode. His name is Tom Watts and he works for the Escambia, Escambia County Sheriff's Department. Tom walks us through what he first saw when he arrived on the scene that day. He said that there was a trail of blood from the parents' bedroom of the house leading out the front door, off the porch, and into the front yard or the side yard, I think is what he called it. There was discarded EMS equipment, so shout out to EMTs and paramedics, and that the victim of the incident had already been taken to the hospital for treatment. Tom also learned that the police officers who were on the scene, those who were the first to arrive, sorry, had already had a person of interest detained in a squad car. And of course, spoiler, (laughs) not really a spoiler, but we learn that that person is, in fact, Elena Rendell, and the victim was, in fact, Christina Sneary. I'm not going to lie, though. To me, it wasn't necessarily a spoiler. Like, I felt the whole time that it was going to be that one versus Mm -hmm. the other, but they do a really good job at making you unsure of, like, who it could have been in that situation. And that's what I was saying before about this particular series, because they did it with the other episode that I watched. Mm -hmm. They do a really good job of essentially you going, okay, I know something's going to happen between these two people because the title of the show (laughs) has sisters in it, and we're talking about (laughs) a relationship between sisters that's strained, but they do a really good job of letting there at least be some mystery Mm -hmm. about what happens to whom and who, I guess, the perpetrator is versus the victim. Sure. So I really appreciated that about this. Well, and I will say there are other episodes that, like, involve other family members, I will say. Like, the sisters are involved, but there's other family members. So it's not always just, like, one sister versus the other, just for anyone who might want to watch it. Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Good job, Chloe. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So according to Tom, who again is the lead investigator, Elena was very upset, but she was able to explain that a black male wearing a hoodie had entered their home armed with a handgun. Uh In attempts to protect both herself and Christina, Elena stated that she fired at the intruder with her father's gun and in doing so accidentally shot her sister. She was reported to have been very apologetic and consistent in her explanation of this having been just a tragic accident. A BOLO, or Be on the Lookout order, was issued for anyone matching the given description of the intruder, but with so little information to go on, officers couldn't launch a full investigation, so they went back to Elena to see if she could provide more specific details, of which she could not. Mm -hmm. So, it was then that Deputy Tom states, and I just, I love the little, like, sound bites and tidbits and just like the Southern slang and terminology. Agreed. It, it just reminds me of being in Tennessee. Agreed. At this point, Deputy Tom states that it, quote, 
kind of hit me that she was trying to play us for some fools, you know? <laughs> I <laughs> just loved that. it. So I had to put it in there. <laughs> Elena was then transported to the sheriff's department for further questioning. All right, so it's at this point we get an update on Christina. We learned that she made it to the hospital and made it through surgery alive, but was still considered to be in critical condition. There's also this very dramatic moment when both Brandy and Flannel Ashley recount how they found out about what had happened to Christina. Yeah. Flannel Ashley says that she had uh, been walking about a pri- uh, about an hour prior to receiving a phone call when she was overwhelmed with just a really bad feeling. Like she knew something was happening. Yeah, like she knew something had happened. So then an hour after this really bad feeling, she said her phone rings and it was the father, Mike Sneary, who was sobbing so hysterically that all he could say was, she's been shot. Which tugged at my heartstrings. Honestly, it did for me a little bit. Like I felt like a little teary-eyed. And when Ashley asked by whom, all he could say was by Elena. But I couldn't believe that he actually like said that. Yeah. Too, because that's a mouthful. Like that's a lot to say to someone. That's a lot for you to say on your own. It's a lot to tell someone. You know what I mean? I agree. Plus, I mean, the reality of that has to. The reality, taking any, like, I guess, emotion out of it and, like, the hysterics that he was feeling, the reality of just saying the words, my daughter's been shot, my other daughter did it. Exactly. Has got to be so surreal. Yeah, I can't imagine. But I guess to me, like, being the person that I am, if that were to happen, I would probably have to say it, like, just to make it real. Just to make it more real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so speaking of dramatics, now we pop back on over to John Malkin. You remember him, right? He's the, the <laughs> sexist state attorney. I remember him because um, that name that I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we make our way back to John, and he very dramatically, background music change included, mm-hmm. he pulls out the case files, and he shows us a thumb drive, shows us a thumb drive that, <laughs> in the douchiest of all voices, says something to the effect of, this should contain the confession. <laughs> Like, I'm so powerful Exactly, and I've got something so, like, hidden and secret. I just was not a fan of his. I'm sorry. I just wasn't. All right, no, so, I agree. I'm with you. So he opens the file, opens the file on the thumb drive, and we immediately are seeing a video of Elena's interview slash interrogation by good old Officer Tom. After some apparent inconsistencies and bouncing around in her story, Elena offers the following version of events. She said that she was eating cereal, watching TV, and playing with her sister when she realized that her phone was gone. The two were alone in the home because Choice was in town doing some shopping, running some errands, and Mike was at work because even Flannel Ashley had kind of said that Mike was kind of never around, not in like an absent father sort of way, but like he was busy working to provide for the family. Uh Yeah, worked a lot. So Mike was at work, Choice was out running errands, being a good mom, and at some point, Christina told her that it was time to stop watching TV and help with the house chores, to which Elena said no, and she questioned where her cell phone was. Christina, channeling her inner, well, me, um, (laughs) (laughs) tells Elena that the dog ate it, and Elena does not respond well to that. Not at all. That's an understatement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Understatement of the century. Yeah, right. A verbal altercation ensued, which soon became physical. And according to Elena, Christina grabbed her by the back of the neck and began digging her nails into the skin of uh, the back of her neck, which actually was substantiated by physical findings that on yeah, her neck. So, like, that was true. That was legit. 
So when she was able to free herself from Christina's hold, Elena then ran into their parents' bedroom. Now, she stated that she ran into the bedroom to get away from her sister with no intentions of retrieving the gun that she knew was there. Mm -hmm. But whatever her intention, that's what Elena did. She took her father's nine millimeter, so it's not a 20 millimeter. (laughs) No, 22. She took her father's nine millimeter pistol from above the parents' TV and pointed it at her sister, Christina, when Christina entered the room. Elena goes on to say that she was actually in the process of lowering the weapon when it accidentally went off. A nine millimeter bullet entered Christina's chest, severing major vessels around the heart before exiting near the right shoulder blade. Per Elena, this was a complete accident and that the two had actually both apologized for the fight, which is why she was in the process of lowering the weapon when it accidentally discharged. One thing that really stood out to me, though, as part of this confession was her saying, quote, I really wasn't going to shoot her. I wouldn't do anything like that. I've never been to jail my whole life, end quote. You're 17, so. No, absolutely. I agree with that, but she didn't say anything like, I'd never do this because I love my sister. I'd never hurt my sister. (laughs) I'd never cause her any real harm. It showed a lack of remorse for me. For what it's she like had a, done? I, I would never do this because I've never done anything bad before. I would never do this because I've never been punished for anything like this. Yeah. It just seemed like it's that whole, that old cliche. I'm not sorry about what I did. I'm sorry that I got caught. Mm-hmm. I'm not sorry about what I did. I'm sorry. Now I might have to go to jail for it. That's because yeah. she even asked in the interview, am I going to go to jail? Like that was her only concern. It wasn't, how's my sister? Is my sister okay? Totally herself. She didn't even know that her sister was, was in critical condition. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what I think, though, the lead investigator, our buddy, Officer Tom, believed that Elena was, quote, a scared and battered young woman who was just protecting herself. He did not, however, believe that her intention was to seriously harm Christina, but he was convinced that the incident was entirely accidental. And for those reasons, Elena was officially arrested with charges of aggravated battery with a firearm. And then... And then... Next, we learned back at the hospital that Christina has her parents, her sister Brandy, and her best friend, uh, Flannel Ashley. They're all hoping for a I good love outcome. That her name is, every time you say Flannel Ashley, like my mind literally like switches to like an image of her. So I love that you <laughs> have done that. I like descriptive words. I love that. So they're all there. They're hoping for a good outcome. And sadly, she goes into cardiac arrest. She cannot be resuscitated, and Christina dies from her injuries. And if that's not a terrible enough moment in the episode, the dickbag producers then fully make (sighs) Flannel Ashley cry by telling us to essentially give us information about Christina. And I love how, like, when she comes back, they're like, I know it's hard. Like, okay, can, can someone please coach them on what to say to, like, people in these situations? Because it's not a very good job. No, they didn't do a very good job. They fully make this poor girl cry because they're like, tell us more about Christina. Tell us more. Tell us more. We know that she was, do you miss her? We know that she was your best friend. And yeah, she goes on to tell us that Ashley was amazing, that she wanted to be a veterinarian, that she wanted to get out of Pensacola, and that she was an absolutely amazing person whom Flannel Ashley misses every day. And to these producers, I say, fuck (coughs) off. (laughs) <laughs> it is it is uncomfortable. There's a lot of like shows I feel like that sometimes they make people talk when they're not ready. 
Yeah. You know, where you can can see it in their face, you can hear it in their voice. And I'm like, I can't even watch this. I did have a hard time a little bit with her. Oh, I fully ugly cried like somebody had stolen a puppy from me. I definitely cried. It was not cool, Twisted Sisters. (laughs) Not cool, bro. Not cool. All right. So after we have our emotional breakdown, we find out the following day that the state's attorney's office upgraded Elena's crime from assault mm-hmm. to manslaughter because, unfortunately, Christina has died. Mm-hmm. Good old boy attorney John Malkin <laughs> goes on to explain that despite Mike Sneary's assurances to investigators that he did not keep the weapon loaded and that Elena would have had to load it herself... I, this was a pretty big debate throughout. This was a pretty big debate throughout towards the end of it because they had pretty much everyone who had been on the show at this point debating whether or not they believed that gun was loaded or not. Yeah. I mean, basically everyone said he did not keep his guns loaded. Yeah. Period. Mike assured the investigators that he didn't keep the weapon loaded and that Elena would have had to have loaded herself. Making and, it premeditated. Yeah. M- giving it an element of premeditation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But unfortunately, it ended up being her word against his. There's no proof. So neither side could be proven or disproven. Because even Brandy with an eye was like, they asked her, like, do you think that she loaded the gun? And she couldn't, they didn't even finish their sentence before she was like, no, no, that one, that gun had to have been loaded. Like it had to have been. You're absolutely correct. She was very emphatic about it. She said there was no doubt in her mind. And we kind of touched on this earlier about kind of making the offense not as great. Yeah. And I I have some notes here that I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. I have some notes here about how... To me, though, not to like, just before we get onto this, to me, if it's a man who's all about gun safety and gun control and whatever, like if he's going to have a gun loaded, fine, I understand that, but he's going to have a safety. So either way, that's premeditation. You turn that safety off and you still... I agree. To me, anyways, that's that's all I thought about. I agree. But I just think this has to be a huge point of contention, not only for the people who were investigating the case and prosecuting the charges. It had to be a huge point of contention, I think, within the entire family. The family. Because we find out that Mike and Troyce have since divorced. Yeah, and they probably I, disagreed on what was I, going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. That was my total speculation. That was my I didn't know. If, did they say that in the show? They did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then finishing out the story, our pal John, once again, sticking that big old foot in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That size, probably 14, because he seemed like one of those healthy country boys. (laughs) He goes on to explain that, quote, the normal person would have been met with premeditated murder charges. In Elena's case, she is very much not the norm, end quote. And as potentially offensive as that is, at least this time he goes on to explain that Elena's developmental delays and issues with behavioral health, because of those things, they didn't think she was entirely competent enough to understand the full consequences of her actions. I did appreciate his understanding a little bit for that, but doesn't really... The the terminology was still (laughs) a little offensive. I, I hate using the terms normal versus like not normal. Appropriate. Appropriate versus, yeah, exactly. He did, however, go on to further explain that as far as intelligence and awareness with regard to decision making, they compared 17 year old Elena to that of a 10 year old child. Mm -hmm. So he explained himself. That's very true. And we can't disagree with the fact these are legitimate things that she's been diagnosed with. Being born with like fetal alcohol syndrome and all of the other ailments she's had growing up. And even when she was arrested on the show, they do say that she was like 97 pounds. Yeah, tiny. Well, that's why she fit into those lockers. That <laughs> so I thought the do. same. 
that's terrible that you yeah because <laughs> i thought the same thing i was like 97 pounds okay well that's why she fit into a locker yeah. i mean that makes sense yeah she was that small this statement said to me that he himself if no one else he himself couldn't convince his internal thought processes or internal monologue that there was absolutely no premeditation. Yeah, that's So fair. he has to justify what they've done in some way by saying, well, I mean, she's not All developmentally, there, yeah, she's not developmentally able to understand the full weight of her actions to really know right versus wrong. I mean, blah, blah, blah. And blah, if you're an officer of the law, too, you got to think you're thinking the way the law does. Wasn't it in like 2012 that they made that law that like people who commit murder under the age of 18 can't be tried as adults anymore? Yeah. Like you can't get the distance because your brain's not developed. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what first degree murder charges. Yeah. We've yeah. talked about this before. So I wonder yeah. if maybe he's just like, trying to get behind, in his mind, the new age version of, like, <laughs> well, yeah. incriminating and, people. And honestly, I mean, determining whether or not somebody's guilty or not guilty really does come down to whether or not there's reasonable doubt. So he's just creating reasonable doubt for himself. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in that regard, I can Well, we haven't even gotten the to the sentencing yet, so that's probably... But we're, like, building up to, like, how... Yeah terrible it is. All right. So on July 31st of 2012, Elena Rendell pled no contest to the charges against her and received a sentence of one year. A fucking year, you guys, you gals, you folks, everyone, a year, one year, one fucking year. One (laughs) year. One year. And then the episode ends by letting the viewers know that Elena served her time and is now, quote, an adult living on her own. She sure is. And that is... Agreed. One <laughs> fucking here. I mean, I do have like a little bit to add on to that. Obviously, we'll get yeah. there. We'll take a little break, but I don't know if it's going to make you feel better or worse. So let's, we'll find out when we All come right, back. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> okay, Ashley, since you were the research <laughs> goddess, this go around, did you find out anything that you'd like to share with us about what's going on with Elena now or anything that wasn't in the episode that should have been? I guess mostly what I tried to do with her because she only got such a short sentence. I have like a little like little brief synopsis of kind of the end of that story and then, you know, what I found now kind of thing, which okay. was a lot of fun for me to do because I was doing a lot of like Google research and social media research. You were like a legit web sleuth. Like a real web sleuth. <laughs> I was literally going to say exactly that. I literally even texted like my friend who's an air marshal. I was like, what can I do legally to find information? <laughs> How can I not get arrested? <laughs> yeah, like what's okay? Can you give me some tips and tricks? So, okay. I'm just going to kind of start off with like the end of like where you left off, yeah. like the courtroom and all of that. So, Basically, what I wrote here, um, actually, let me, because I have a couple of, like, sources that I did get information from. A lot of it was, like, Facebook and Instagram. Like, I, you know, found a lot of her stuff she had posted before and after this had happened. I read some things on pnj.com. There's a website called disability-memorial.com, which is super interesting that I got some information from. And then dailymail.co.uk, which we both use a lot. Oh, yeah. I love that one. Oh, this is what I wanted to bring up from laws.com. And that was the, the title of the article, which I brought up earlier, was Terminated Service, Girl Kills Sister Over Cell Phone. And I'm like, I just want to write this down because I find so many things wrong with this title. Yeah. That's so twisted and messed up that that's how you would portray this story. 
Well, I mean, it's not all that dissimilar from the way that Twisted Sister portrayed the story. It's too. fair. I mean, they give a lot of history. Yeah. And they give a you lot of You have to read the synopsis, up. though, to yeah, get Exactly, there. but... A Shot in the Dark is the name of the episode. Okay. So, you all know, right. it's very, like, yeah. bland. You know what I mean? I feel like Twisted Sister to that point said, okay, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Yep. But they definitely were like, hey, this incident with the cell phone, that was a big deal. <laughs> it was a big deal. It kind of made the, the whole thing happen. And yeah. it really did. I mean, there was going to be anything, but they're yeah. just harping on the cell phone. So emotions ran high when Elena appeared before the juvenile court with family members taking up the entire back room of the courtroom. One of back row of the courtroom, I'm sorry. One of the family members, a middle-aged man, cradled his head in his hands and sobbed quietly. Another one clutched a Bible. Assistant state attorney, our favorite friend, John, (laughs) said, at this point, they're crushed. It's certainly a horrific tragedy. Elena's brother, who was an army sergeant, who we've mentioned before, who was Jason Rendell, he pled with the judge. He said, she listens to me, please, or she respects me and I can deal with her. So he pled with her, like basically release her into my care. Yeah. And Josh, Judge Ross Goodman rejected the plea and Elena was held on a $300,000 bond. State Attorney's Office spokesperson Greg Marcel, or Marcel said during the trial, Rendell had been evaluated by two court-appointed psychologists. Rendell had also served a previous year in county jail while awaiting her trial. So the whole time that all this is all going down, I think that's when she was in juvenile detention center. And as a part of the, of the sentence, she waived all of that year served. So she spent what I could look up and what I do have here pulled up is her like intake from the bail bonds headquarters. And it looks like after that year in juvenile detention, she spent six months in county jail, which was in Pensacola. Got it. So I don't know. I mean, maybe six months because of good behavior. But I do know that like her sentence was to be another year after that year. So she didn't get time served. No, she didn't. She didn't. It's a little bit helpful, but it's still, yeah, like, not say, very much time. <laughs> nearly serve enough time. You basically did, like, a year and a half from my yeah. calculations. I think I'm reading it right because I looked up so many different, like, intake forums and yeah. stuff like that. So, in my stocking, okay. Tell us about her now. titled, after her release from jail, she would have been on probation for five years. I did find that, according to the Bail Bonds HQ, which is what I just brought up, she was taken off felony probation in 2008. So she was in that Florida Department of Corrections for those six months, which is Escambia County. She was ordered to continue with mental health counseling and treatment after her time in jail. She would be required to seek and maintain employment or continue her education. So to me, I'm like, put a pin in that because when I Googled more and found as much as I could, there's no employment like out there at all. Like yeah. I, the last I've seen is that she must have gotten out, went back to high school, finished. And then mm-hmm. after that, nothing like okay. not a nothing. So I found two Instagram pages. One would have been, I guess, before she was locked mm-hmm. up and all this happened, which was at Elena underscore Rendell. And the last post was on June 4th, 2014. And it was like a selfie that literally said like sexy or nah, which was interesting to me. Cause I'm like, okay, someone wants some attention. But the comments on all of her Instagram posts at that time were like, hey, imagine what it's like to kill your sister. Ooh. Or like, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that had to have Literally, people would just like comment like, killer, like you're a killer, like all of that stuff. Because the incident happened in 2012 and it's just in 2014. Yeah. 
So she would have been out of jail even then, yeah. right? So oh. she obviously tried to hop right back on her old account. Oh, yeah. That didn't work out. No, it didn't work out so well. So now she has one that's at jbeastly. That's J, like beast, like beast. Mm-hmm. And then L-Y-22. And the last post was on May 25th of this year. The comments are turned off. Mm-hmm. So there's no commenting going yeah. on. But the first post that I saw was from January 23rd of 2015. Okay. Meaning that she probably tried to make social media happen. It didn't happen very well for her. Yeah. And then she was like, let's try again later. But what's interesting to me is like the bio of hers is the same as the bio that she has on Facebook, which we'll get to. But it it literally just says just a girl with good vibes. So our question. Oh, of- <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. With oh. good vibes, which like the 100 emoji, the rainbow emoji, and then like the smoke emoji. So I'm like, OK, she's just saying like she's a pothead who's gay and like obviously didn't kill her sister. <laughs> She's got great vibes going on. (laughs) So, yeah, she's got that written, which to me was interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, one thing that I found randomly, like, in my last ditched effort to research her was that she has a YouTube account. And to me, this was super interesting because she has a playlist of, like, 55 songs that, like, is, like, in her... I don't know if it's, like, a playlist of things that she likes to watch or listen to, whatever... But it was last last updated this past November. So she uses it, obviously, regularly. Yeah. The first video, it's the mashup video from Twilight of when Jacob imprints on Renesmee, the little baby. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's just followed with, like, music videos from the likes of, like, Khalid, GEZ, MGK, like, all these... Re- like, it's such a weird mix of music. I don't know why I'm so creeped out by that. But it's I so really creepy, am. right? Yeah. It's so creepy. I yeah. I was creeped out too. Thank you for making me <laughs> for validating. Feeling feelings. like I felt like I was doing something wrong. Like this is just a person. No, but she's doing something wrong. It's <laughs> she is. She, she's like I'm just a girl with positive vibes and whatever. So okay, on Facebook it is her real name. So you can just type in Elena okay. Randall. It's it's there. It's easy. Again, the bio. And it's current. It's current. Because I was thinking that if she kind of disappeared with regard to like work and school, maybe she changed her name. But why would you have a different name on social media? No, I mean, I guess like JB sleeping on Instagram is different because like her name name isn't on there. I had to do some digging there. But like. Right. And Beastly. I mean, come on. She's 97 pounds. (laughs) I think actually I did look it up. She was like 113 when she was let out. But like, yeah. That's <laughs> okay. My left thigh is 113. <laughs> yeah. Come on. So, yeah. So, Facebook is her real name. Same bio, just girl with the chill vibe. And, like, here's me. <laughs> like, I'm like writing, like, she has 489 friends. She lives in Pensacola, Florida. Yes, still lives in Pensacola, Florida. Jesus. She has no previous or present work experiences listed. And the only school is Northview High School from 2010, 2011. So one year of high school is like the only thing she has on there. Her family members that are listed are Christopher Simmons. Okay, don't know. No idea. Him. And a nephew, Justin Rendell. So that must be like Brandy's um, maybe. Brandy was a sneer. No, she was a sneer. Her last name's right. Zepp. So oh, right. Jason's maybe Might have, Jason's okay. son. Jason's and they son. obviously were close. That makes sense. Actually, I remember when I read this first, yeah. I was like, that must have been, yeah. On October 18th of this year, I just like had to write these things. I thought they were so interesting. She changed her profile picture to a sunset, which I think is interesting. And she's one with the planet. And she's so like, 
guess it's not a profile picture, but it's like yeah. that picture that goes behind that. The, oh, the, uh, the background. The background picture. Yeah. And then like, yeah, she also did like a Sophie or a selfie moment where she like took that picture and changed it. She changes her selfie moments, like as her profile pictures a lot, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I mean, it sounds like she doesn't have a whole lot else going on. I guess so. so. There's a lot of things, like, to me that I was reading, like, comment-wise that just made me see that she has not a lot of, like, social ineptitude. Like, she doesn't understand social cues. Yeah. Like, there was one... Where was it? There was one in, like, 2015. She, like, changed her profile picture, and some girl, like, told her that she was cute. And they had this exchange, but it basically devolved into her, like, begging this girl to message her. And I'm like, that just shows that, like, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, well, we know that she has developmental delays. Sure. So, socially, I'm sure, especially now that she's out of prison, I'm sure she has received a lot of negativity from... The public in general. The public in general. So, in that regard, I feel for her. And I feel for anybody who's struggling with any sort of like behavioral trouble or developmental issues. That's fair. I had a cousin who suffered from fetal alcohol syndrome as well. And I know he struggled with a lot of things. So we're not speaking negatively of anybody who has those struggles in life. We're speaking negatively of people who shoot and kill their sisters and don't receive the appropriate well, yeah. punishment and for And the it. other thing I did have written, like noted in here too, was that she was ordered to like stay in... Therapy, basically, after mm-hmm. everything. When she ended it abruptly, she was just like, I'm done. I'm not doing it. So she really didn't get the help that she needed. And I'm totally there with you. <laughs> like, it's not, yeah. we can excuse certain things. You can excuse outbursts on yeah. your family members or yeah. your friends. But when it comes to literally loading a gun, shooting yeah. and killing someone, you need, the, everyone needs mental health help. But this absolutely cannot go undiagnosed. And... You can only not be held accountable for things that are beyond your control until you start refusing to seek out help and ways to improve those things, yeah, right. which she's obviously doing. Obviously been like, yeah, yeah, I can't. I'm I am how I am, whatever. But <laughs> I did write here that like she changes her profile every few weeks or months or so. And she did have a blonde moment in 2016 that absolutely did her no favors. That's all. <laughs> it was not a cute moment. Let's just not, let's leave the bleach to the professionals and not yeah. do it at home. <laughs> was it orangey? It was very orangey. Uh, and I it, mean, she could pull it off, but like not, not with the orangey. You just yeah. need someone to help you a little bit. So the one thing that I did find interesting though, is like, you know, on Facebook, how you can write like life events mm-hmm. you can like put yeah. down certain things. So in 2010, she had written, like, put down that she started at Northview High School. 2011, she traveled to Tennessee, left Northview High School. And in 2013, she had written that she had her first kiss and she also got a piercing, which I felt like was just really interesting because 2013, like how old? I should have done the math. 2013 yeah. was when she had her first kiss? Yeah. Uh, I, I, like I didn't, or I didn't, I didn't get a date of birth for her. I feel like she would have been like 22 or something when I, when I but read it on Facebook, I meant to write it down, but she was like in her twenties at this point. Yeah. And that's also, it's not accurate information based on witness. That's what I'm saying. Uh, an interview testimony because she dated Deborah and right. they used to kiss in the halls and whatnot. Exactly. So yeah. I'm interested on why maybe she's just trying to leave that part of her life Behind. Out of her life because yeah. there was nothing before 2010. 
There was another interesting thing. Like there was some guy that she wrote as like a life event in 2011 or 12, where it was like, became friends with him. And I like clicked on his profile and I'm like, he has nothing to do with this story. He's just some random guy. Like, why would that be a life event? Which also kind of cues into like the social cues. Like, why would that be a life event for you? And I didn't want to put his name in there because I didn't want to like drag him for filth. You know, who knows who you are? The only other thing that I have to say is her favorite quote, and it's all in capital letters. Mm -hmm. It says, if you knew N-E-W better, you would have done better. But since you don't know, since you don't know no better, and that all you know, know, ain't no need for me to explain. It just made me think of, have you ever seen that Riff Raff video where he's like, my main goal in life is to blow up. And then act like I don't know nobody. <laughs> like that's what it <laughs> no, made me think of. I am not familiar. No, you're in. You're too far into the queer community. But <laughs> <laughs> probably. But like yes. that. What is that mouthful of words about? I have, could if not. If you knew better, you speculate. would do better. Like it's just such a disconnect from a normal comment. I don't know. It sounds to me like she's trying to to sound hard. And and weathered from a <laughs> tough life and, and intelligent. And I hey, we all make spelling and grammatical errors, not judging that, but sure. she just seems so either disgenuine sure. or so unwilling to to change. That makes sense. And she can't escape the sense of her past. If she's unwilling to change. It's almost like she's like defending herself all the time. She's on the defense no matter what. Yeah, You quite literally killed someone. Because that favorite quote is very aggressive when you read it. You're like, (laughs) why is it so messy and so loud and so angry? But like, I guess that's her way of like defending herself at this point. Because so many people have probably come at her in a way. But like, I don't know. It's, It's one of those situations in her when you talk about someone who has done something like that, I have no remorse for, or not remorse, I guess I have no empathy for you. Like, I know that you're trying to make your life better, but I don't feel like you've gotten the help that you need. And I feel like you need to understand that you need help, but you're kind of refusing it. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. You know, I agree with that completely. There's no problem with saying I need help (laughs) at all. No, absolutely not. You are stronger and admitting that you need help and that you need to change and that you need to make improvements, then... So what do you think? Do you How do you feel, like, knowing that, like, you know, you can just look at her social media and be friends with her and, like, she's just living her, for lack of a better term, best life at this point? I'll pass. <laughs> like, that's wild, <laughs> right? Yeah. I think that her sister's life was worth more. Agreed. I definitely do. I can understand where the family... It's kind of like that whole argument of why people speculate that JonBenet Ramsey... I knew you were going to bring that. Yeah, ...was yeah, yeah. maybe killed by her brother. Sure. It's, it's just the a theory that people thing. have. It's very comparable. And why the family may have covered it up, it's just a theory that they didn't want to, because of one incident, lose both children. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why this family maybe, or at least members of this family, maybe... They come to her defense. Came to her defense, and they were happy with the punishment that she received. But from a very outside perspective, 
again, I say, I think her sister's life was worth more. And it would be a more comfortable feeling for me knowing that she's out living her life. If we could look at her now and say, okay, she's really done something to improve and to change and to learn better and be better. But from what we know, and that's limited information, but from what we know, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So holler us back to jail. Yeah. I mean, honestly, (laughs) to me, like everything that I just like read and was getting into and what I could see just made me more irritated. Yeah. It's sad. But yeah. That's I guess what we're saying is <laughs> the bullshit meter has detected major BS. Confirmed. That's definitely some bullshit. Yeah. It's a small sentence for a big crime. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Do you have anything else for us? No, but I feel like we should like leave on a happy note. Should we tell a joke? Should we tell a Oh, we should tell a joke. A distraction um, or something? Something, something, something. Something um, good. Uh, something. Can we talk about Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde? <laughs> I we don't know enough about <laughs> that. I don't know enough about that to speak about it intelligently. But if you do, then... I don't know enough. All I saw on my potty break was that apparently they're a couple. And I'm excited about that. Harry Styles makes me happy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, in many ways. Oh, in many ways. I can identify <laughs> with that. Yeah. I love that about him. Yeah. He appeases to all spectrums. across the board. He does. Yes. Oh, my God. Jonathan Van Ness got married, and I had no idea that they were even in a relationship. Oh, I think that was kind of the big deal, is that everybody was like, we didn't even know Wait, what happened? they were seeing anyone. Yeah. And I watched their coffee dance every morning, mm-hmm. and like... Finally, on whatever day it was after they got married, it was like, oh, by the way, this is who's been sending me my creamer every morning. And I'm like, wow, how did I not notice there was another person in that video? It's very sweet. Uh, So a lighthearted note. A lighthearted note. Lighthearted note. We like to end (laughs) on something a bit more lighthearted. So thank you for that information and for also brightening up the mood a bit. You did a good job, though, at like really explaining what happened in the show. I that was am a good synopsis. Now I have very to follow good. up with next week. I'm very good at being opinionated. I'm glad that you <laughs> set the tone, though, for how we're going to do this. Because I'm like, how are we going to go? And now I know exactly how to go about well, it. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. <laughs> and I hope that all the queens, kings, and folks also Enjoy. enjoyed it. <laughs> if you did, please do all the good things. Things such as rate and review us. Like us. Subscribe to us. All of those things. All of those things. We are Slay Queens Pod basically everywhere. Mm -hmm. Across the board. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, if you want to (laughs) try. We've got a Patreon. I mean, Facebook, I will say that the messages always get answered. It's just a matter of posting on there, the activity. We're not as active on Facebook as far as posting and whatnot, but we... We're still there. We are still there, and we do respond to anything that you would send us via Facebook message. Exactly right. Yes. So we would hope that if you want to reach out, please reach out. That's the one thing I consistently, consistently, consistently have said and consistently have desired from you lovely folks is just a bit more interaction because that's what that's what kind of fuels me totally is a getting out there and like or putting these stories out there telling these stories but also getting feedback about them interacting with the fans getting ideas because it's like if it's a story that we already know that somebody is titillated by yes we want to make sure that other people get to hear it i'm glad that you were able to work titillated (laughs) It had to happen eventually. Um, And also, we 
starting this podcast, we narrowed the amount of cases that we would even have the ability to cover by being specific to the LGBTQIA plus community, Mm -hmm. some element of the story. But there's so many other marginalized groups that can just kind of wrap into there are what and, we're trying and, to do. And we will discuss some of those. But we've even further narrowed that by saying, OK, well, now we're just going to do cases that were featured on documentaries or docuseries. Yeah. So if you folks know of any, please, please, please reach out. We are Literally. officially requesting your help. At if this you, point. Yeah, if you're just <laughs> sitting there watching like well, most forensic files, I think we know, but any yeah. other show that you're just yeah. sitting around watching and you hear an element of like Law and Order SVU, like some people don't realize some like those are based on quote unquote true stories. That is yeah. something that we could delve into. So any of those shows and you hear some kind of queer element, just send us, send it our way. Dive into the DMs. Please do. Yes. We would ask that you do that. And we would also ask that you go out and slay queens (laughs) (laughs) just not each other each other bye i'm going away but i won't come back on a lonesome railroad line but i can't forget that sweet little girl who sleeps in the pines and the pines